Welcome back to the Palby Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm the lead pastor here at Palby Christian Church in, oh, snowy, rainy, dreary Central Oregon now. Uh, it's December, and so, yeah, God has said, I'll give you December weather. Uh, although uh, the, it's warming up, so it's just rain instead of uh, snow, which is kind of nice. Uh, the, the roads aren't freezing right now, which is good. All right. Hey, this is our second week of Advent, and uh, glad that you're joining us again. Um, we're looking at the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings, and and that's going to be what our Advent series is all about leading up to Christmas Eve, uh, which we will have a different type of service. So you may not get a, a podcast on the 24th, just so you know. Um, uh, that that will be something. It'll be a very short devotion that night. We're having a children's program in in the morning and a communion candlelight service at night. So probably no uploads on the twenty fourth. So you're not missing anything, and we didn't miss it. It just we're not going to be doing that. So, well, last week we closed by looking at a passage in Revelation, Revelation chapter five, where we read about how the Lion of Judah had the strength. He was strong enough to open the seals of the scroll of eternal life. Uh, this was the Lion of Judah that had been prophesied by the patriarch Jacob in Genesis 49 as he was blessing his sons on his deathbed. And I told you last week that we would be continuing to look at that passage this week. So I want to finish up that thought here in Revelation 5 when in his vision of the throne room in heaven, John, the apostle, said this in Revelation 5, starting in verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now, the Lion of Judah, well, he had the strength. He was strong enough to open up the seals. But now, that strong lion seems to have taken the form of a lamb, looking as if it had been slain. And all the creatures around the throne were worshipping that lamb, giving it praise and glory and honor, because as the lion was strong enough to open the scroll, the lamb was worthy enough to open the scroll. And with that, we begin the second week of Advent, focusing in on the newborn Messiah as not just the strong lion of Judah from prophecy. We now see him as the worthy lamb of God, 
worthy enough to bring peace between God and mankind. Now, it's interesting that it is the Apostle John who sees this vision in heaven, because it is only in his gospel. By the way, the same guy wrote the Gospel of John as wrote Revelation. It's only in his gospel, though, that we see an aspect of Jesus' baptism, a statement made by John the Baptist only recorded by John. As Jesus was coming down to the Jordan to be baptized, John the Baptist, a different John, John the Baptist declared at those there, in John one twenty nine, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as it's as if all the rituals from the Old Testament, all the sacrifices, all the religious duties to be formed, to be performed by the priests for the people, to be made right with God, all of that comes into focus like never before. Because here is going to be the final sacrifice provided by God himself to take care of mankind's sin problem once and for all. Now, this isn't the first time we, we read of God's providing a sacrifice that brings peace, by the way. In the Garden of Eden, let's go back to the beginning. God had told Adam that on the day that he ate the forbidden fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, he would surely die. Well, Adam and his wife ate, and their eyes were opened, and they saw that they were naked. They were ashamed. They tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves, which has got to be a sticky mess, by the way. And yet, after receiving the consequences for their sin, they were exiled by God from the garden. Adam and Eve were, when they left, they were wearing not fig leaves anymore. They were wearing animal skins. Now, let me ask you this question. Think about this. Ever wonder where they got those skins? Ever wonder why Adam actually did not die that day, as God had told him that he would? Did you ever think that it might have been the mercy of God? That would allow a substitute death? To allow an animal to die in Adam's place? And that the skin that Adam wore would remind him forever about the consequences of his sin? That his sin caused the death of this animal? Ever think that it was actually God who provided the very first sacrifice in history? Or how about in the, the, the event in Abraham's life when God tested him to see if he would withhold his son from him? God had instructed Abraham to take his beloved son Isaac up to a mountain and to offer him as a sacrifice there. Now, this was a test, we know, because we're also told that God hates human sacrifices. He detests it. So he was not going to actually have Abraham kill Isaac. But this was a test to see, would you, Isaac, to see if uh, he would withhold his son. Well, Abraham obeyed God. He got the wood ready, he got the knife ready, he got the fire ready, he saddled up the donkey, uh, he got the servants ready to roll. And as they set out on this significant journey, it was Isaac who actually noticed something missing. And in Genesis 22, Isaac said to his father, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God himself will provide the lamb. Just as Abraham was ready to make that sacrifice, there on the altar, lifting up the knife, God showed up. Sure enough, he commended Abraham for his willingness to obey, and then he provided a ram that had been caught up in the thicket right there by the altar. God provided Jehovah Jireh. That became the model for God's people then throughout Old Testament history. One's sin meant death just like in Adam's case. 
but God provides a substitutionary death, like in the case of Abraham. And, and, and that substitutionary death, God allowing a sacrificed animal to take your place, that's connected to the law. Leviticus chapter 17. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So with all of this in the past, we then see all of those shadows become substance as Jesus approaches the Jordan River. And John the Baptist sees him and he points out to the people the Lamb of God, which will be the sacrifice provided by God himself to atone for sin once and for all. And not just for Israel. It is to take away the sin of the world. You see, sin is not just a Jewish problem. Sin is a human problem. And sin created hostility between God, our creator, and us, the creation. So God set it up to where there can be a substitute death so that we don't have to die. There needed to be a substitute death in order to take care of our sin problem because you, you, you don't just forgive somebody and, and leave them unchanged. We still have a, a broken heart. We need that to be mended. That's why uh, there needed to be a substitute death in, in order to take care of the sin problem once and for all. This is why we celebrate Jesus as the Lamb of God. And here how is how I'm going to connect it to the traditional Christmas story that we tell every year. Now, if you're not aware, shepherds play a big part of the story of Christmas. And, and not just any shepherds. These were uh, shepherds who had a very special purpose, actually. Luke tells us that they were out in the fields watching over their flocks by night. And that's, that's an important thing to note. Because by night gives us a clue as to the nature of their responsibility. You see, in the fields outside of Bethlehem, well, that would be where all the lambs that had been designated for daily sacrifices in the temple, Bethlehem was not too far away from Jerusalem. This is where they raised the lambs that would be sacrificed each day in the temple. And the Passover lambs, which were even more important because all of these people would pilgrimage into Jerusalem and they, some of them would be bringing their own lambs. Some of them would need to buy them. So these shepherds outside of Bethlehem would be watching over the Passover lambs, their, their birth and their well-being. And this was a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. This is not just an ordinary shepherd watching the sheep and then going home at night. No, you had to watch these things throughout the night. So if the shepherds were watching the sheep by night, these were the Passover lambs that were being uh, watched over. And, and so therefore, these were not just ordinary shepherds. They had a very important role to play in the, the sacrificial system uh, that God had given to his people. Now, the region of Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which, by the way, that's what Micah prophesied it was going to be in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. That's technically not the actual little town of Bethlehem. It's a region that Bethlehem was in. Okay, It was Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And, and it was that region that had been prophesied by Micah to be significant. The Gospel account tells us, yeah, it was Bethlehem, but it didn't tell us exactly where in Bethlehem. Um, nowhere does the Bible tell us that there was a, an inn and then a, a, a stable out back of the inn where you'd find donkeys and, and oxen feeding along with the lambs. Um, I, I was in a play one time called Mary Had a Little Lamb, and I got to play the pig. That would not have been there. 
pigs, oxen, donkey. No, no, no. Uh, the the sheep, the, the the sheep that would be watched over, would have been separated for their specific job. Okay. As the location, as for the location, uh, all the angel said to the shepherd was to look for a specific sign. Uh, let me read to you from Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 12. Luke chapter 2. I'm almost there. I should have this ready to roll. Sorry about that. This is great radio, right? This is great podcast. Listen to pages turn. <laughs> um, verses, uh, okay, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And in the same region, there were shepherds, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, the New Testament does not give a specific address, but I believe the Old Testament does. Again, Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, the region, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming is forth is from of old, of, from ancient days. So again, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. But where? Well, you have to just go the previous chapter. Just a little bit before Micah 5.2 to Micah 4.8. And there's, there's a prophecy that he gives that we tend to overlook during this Christmas season. Listen to what he says in 4.8. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come. The former dominion shall come. Kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. So, He's saying, Tower of the Flock, that's where the king's going to be born. The Tower of the Flock. Well, what's the Tower of the Flock? Well, in Hebrew, it's Migdal Eder. Migdal Eder, E-D-E-R. Now, in ancient times, it was a military tower built on the outskirts of the little town of Bethlehem. But by the time of Jesus' birth, apparently it had been transformed into the place where you would post the shepherds who were guarding the flocks for the Passover. Okay? Now, Remembering that the lambs used for sacrifice were required to be spotless and unblemished. They were supposed to be ceremonially clean. That leads us to understand that these lambs, again, would have been separated from all other livestock. According to historic writings, there's a strong possibility that under this tower of the flock was a cave-like structure where the lambs would have been born. Now, by the way, this cave-like structure could be called a manger. A manger isn't just the, the, the stone that's got the hay in it. It was also a shelter. Uh, that's what that word could mean. Uh, and so underneath the Migdal Eder was this cave-like structure, and it served as a shelter and feeding place for newborn lambs. Now, it, it sure seems to me to be well within the way that God prepares things just so, to see that this tower of the flock, this Migdal Eder that had been prophesied to be the birthplace of a king, would this cave would actually provide shelter for the newborn sacrificial Passover lambs. It would be the exact place where the Lamb of God, 
the ultimate sacrifice to pay for the sins of the of of all the world would would actually be born. Interesting. Isn't, isn't that interesting? And then when you add to the Migdal Eder location, the teachings from some modern messianic rabbis point out the practice of swaddling. Well, that was done by to newborn sacrificial lambs. Uh, they would swaddle them in strips of cloth called swaddling cloth because they didn't want them to hurt themselves before being a sacrifice. So it makes sense then that the sign was given to the shepherds. This shall be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, okay, so what's a sign? Well, a sign is something uh, that you connect a thing or a, or a person with, right? And there are two signs that they had been given. Swaddling cloths and manger. That's it. Again, no, no address, no GPS. <laughs> we don't even get the sense from this passage that they had a hard time finding the baby. It, it wasn't like that they went knocking on every door at Bethlehem saying, hey, do you have a baby here? Oh, you do? Oh, good. Um, hope I didn't wake him. Uh, is he by chance wrapped in swaddling cloth? No? Okay, sorry. Sorry to disturb you. Go on to the next door. Hello? Yeah, it's not like that. Okay? It would seem to me if they knew the prophecies of Micah about Migdal Eder, the tower of the flock, that these specialized shepherds would have probably figured out exactly where to go to find the one that would bring peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased. They weren't hindered in finding the place. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, they say, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. It seemed like they found him pretty quickly. It's as if these shepherds knew. Like they understood what God had said about where the king was going to be born. So all of it would make perfect sense to me. They, they, would, they would have known where to find the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. So what would that mean for us? Well, it means primarily that Jesus' birth is only important as it fits within the context of the purpose of his birth. Okay. Which, soberingly, is his death. He was born to die. Just like those Passover lambs, they had one job in their life. It wasn't to be a pet, wasn't to be, you know, grazed out there in the fields and then eventually eaten. No, these lambs were born to die. They were born to serve as a sacrifice that would bring forgiveness to God's people. So just like their purpose was plain, the Lamb of God's purpose was plain as well. You know, in our modern times, we like to stand up for the truth and say, well, Jesus is the reason for the season, but we must never forget that it was actually his death that was the reason for this season. The angel declared that the baby found in the manger wrapped in swaddling cloths would be a savior who was the anointed Lord, which means that everything that would happen to the man, Jesus, was in God's plan. So we don't see him as a religious martyr who was just trying to get people to love each other, and he made people angry in the government, punished for making trouble in the, the Roman Empire. We don't see his ministry as some kind of failure that ended up in this horribly tragic death. No, we actually have to see the cross where Jesus died in the same way that the Jews would have seen their altar there in front of the tabernacle and then eventually in front of the temple. It was a bloody reminder of the serious nature of their sin but a place of hope, because that's where sins would be forgiven. The angel had said, fear not, 
I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. What was it? Peace. Peace between God and man. Now that the Lamb of God has been born, one day that Lamb of God will die and mankind can have peace with their God. The good news isn't just the birth. The good news is the death. And obviously the resurrection. The death of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because he then becomes our peace. And now we close with how we began, Revelation 5, the worthiness of the Lamb, back to verse 9. They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The sin of the world. The Lamb of God is the only way to be saved. This was foreshadowed even in the Exodus, as God, through Moses, led the people out of bondage, a symbol of our our own sinful nature. After the plagues, then God sent destruction to the angel of death. The angel would strike down the firstborn of all the households in Egypt. And the only way for God's people to be spared, this judgment, was for them to take a Passover lamb and to kill it, and then to take the blood and paint that blood over the, the doorpost of their homes. And then when the angel of death was going through the camp, he would see the blood as a sign that this was someone who had faith in God, and he would pass over, pass over that house. And thus, God's people were saved. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing this Christmas to truly find forgiveness and peace between you and God? To actually have your sins that uh, the Bible uh, describes as being scarlet, finally being washed as white as snow. That's what God promises through the Lamb of God this second week of Advent. That peace is found in that baby lying in a manger who would grow to be the man on the cross, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So will you allow him to be your peace today? All right, well, that's it's a shorter sermon today, and that's okay. Um, sometimes it's nice just to get to the point and uh, then to, to go on with what you need to go on. All right. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Thank you, Lisa Welly, for being my executive producer. Thank you, uh, Ron, for listening to me in the mornings and, and uh, helping me and then praying for us as, as we listen to these sermons. Thank you, uh, Steve Pittman, for being our tech guru. And we will talk with you next week as we talk about Jesus being the Lord of Lords and the obedience that we see in a man named Joseph. <laughs>